tonight, I'm going to talk about when God speaks through others. So I believe that all of us agree that the primary way the Lord speaks to people is through his written word. I don't know that any of us would dispute that's the primary way in which God communicates. But there are also ways in which the Lord speaks. And tonight we're going to look at when God speaks to us through others. Exodus chapter 18, we're going to pick up in uh, the first verse. And it said, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Well, that would make a father-in-law very proud that his son-in-law led a huge contingency of people out of bondage into freedom. He would be like, yes, my daughter married well. And so upon hearing this report, he wanted to take his daughter and some of his family to go celebrate this monumental thing that the Lord did through Moses in delivering the people of Israel. And verse 2 says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. Let's skip down now, if you would, to verse 6. Now, when he had uh, said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, and, uh, Jethro, am coming to you and, and your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all for the all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, For in the very thing in which they uh, behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his law. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you uh, will surely wear yourselves out for this thing is, is much is too much for you. And you are not able to to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice and I'll give you some counsel. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that they may bring the difficulties, uh, may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the ways in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, 
and place such over to be the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times, then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. And so it will be easier for you, and uh, for they will uh, bear the burden with you. And if you do this, and God so commands you, uh, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will <clears throat> also go to their places in peace. And Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Um, there's, it's one thing to, to, to have a relationship with your in-laws. It's another thing for your in-laws to be used by God to become your counselors. Um, I love my in-laws. I don't view them as my outlaws. But I don't know that I would look unto them as the primary ones that God might choose to use to speak to me. But here are three things that I want to share with you before we dissect some of this story and look at a couple other places where God spoke a word in season to others through unlikely candidates. So we don't get to choose the messenger. I I don't get to choose the messenger. You don't get to choose the messenger. We just can't gather people around us that we want to tell us the things that we want to hear. So what Moses was doing, if you were to you stand in line and you were at the end of the line on any particular day in the desert, you would be worn out by the time you got to Moses. And Moses probably wouldn't have much fuel left in the tank by the time he got to the end of the line every day. Now, there are two million people. So you have two million people. You have the potential of having two million problems. And... People and problems are one and the same. People are a problem. People create problems. People add to problems. But it's amazing also through people come solutions. And so Moses is endeavoring to do a noble and a good thing. But his father-in-law, who's not even of the faith, if we want to put him in that category, he's from Midian. It's a pagan culture. Looks at this and says, this is completely ridiculous. You're not only going to be wore out, all the people are going to be wore out, and there's no way this is sustainable. This is unsustainable. It might work for a day or two, but this is not a long-term plan. This isn't wise. This isn't prudent. This isn't good. It's bad. This thing is going to fall flat on its face. This is how not to lead. You did a great job bringing them out of bondage, but did you even talk to the Lord or counsel the Lord or ask the Lord the best way to take care of these people? Or are you just going to take all the burden and all the responsibility upon yourself? Do you feel like, you can carry two million people. And apparently Moses, you know, didn't know there were alternative 
options until now, until Jethro said, you know, there's a better way to get this done. And, and I think sometimes here's the crux is we're doing everything to the best of our ability. And many times there's no malice. There's probably no ego. There's, there's no ill will in what we're doing, but it could be done better. I, I think that we can learn a lot from this particular story, but for our subject matter tonight, I want to remind you, we don't get to choose the messenger. Number two, we don't get to choose the time and the season in which that messenger arrives. I, I don't know how long Moses had been practicing this kind of counseling. But let me just give you a ballpark figure. Two million people. That's a lot of folks. Um, it's twice as, twice as many people as live in the greater Des Moines area. And you're responsible for giving all of those people counsel. Is that unrealistic? It's absolutely unrealistic. Of those two million people, let's just take a small percentage or a small number, and let's say 500 people need help that day. They're, they have a dispute, or they have a need, or they have a grievance, or they just need some counsel and encouragement. So 500 people you have to see. So imagine listening to 500 different stories. And you only hear one side of it. How good can your counsel actually be? I mean, how wise can your counsel be? It, it really is sort of a, a bad way to go about trying to do a good thing. Have you ever felt like you're doing a good thing but maybe it could be done differently or better. All right, let me give you an example. How about parenting? How about, since we don't get to choose our messengers and we don't get to choose the time and the season in which they talk to us, what about, let's take the family scenario and keep going with it. What about when God uses your spouse to talk to you? You love it. You love it when you're used by God to talk to me. I know. I know how that works. <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. But, you know, so here's the third thing. And then we're going to finish with Jethro and Moses and move on to a couple other examples. Here's what we do get to choose. We do get to choose whether we'll receive and listen to the messenger God chooses to send and the season in which they send them. Notice Moses did not say, hold on, pops. I'm the one that God used to bring out the people. Where were you when we were at the Red Sea? Where were you when they were crying out for manna? Where were you where they were grumbling and complaining? Where were you when all the miracles took place? You weren't with me when I stood before. He did not put on the ego and the attitude. 
he realized that, hold on, God is using my father-in-law to protect me from suicide. I'm going to kill myself if I keep doing this. And I'm going to kill the people. And Moses was like, all right, we'll do it. So Moses showed what? Humility. Now, I don't know if this counts, but it's in God's word, so I think it does count, that Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible, correct? You all know that, that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, all right? God used Moses to write. Do you know that Moses said about himself that he was the most humble man that ever lived? Now, would a humble man say that about himself? If you just ponder that for a moment, and yet, his witness is true because he shows it right here. Not only did he listen to his father-in-law, which is a stretch for any son-in-law, especially when he was used in such a monumental way to deliver the people God. He is, without question, the man of God on the planet. No one is held in higher esteem or is more respected than Moses. And yet even Moses needed to hear from God through a different vessel. God talked to Moses face to face. That's pretty amazing. But in this scenario, God talked to Moses through the face of his father-in-law. So how are we when God talks to us through others? Let's look at another example. Second Samuel chapter 11. So if you turn to the right, you're going to run into second Samuel chapter 11. We're going to pick up. In the 26th verse of 2 Samuel. It says, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David did, had done, displeased the Lord. Chapter 12, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and he said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except for one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup, lay in his bosom. and It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. 
Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also gave you, have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be your wife, and you had killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to the neighbor and he shall lie with them and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the son. For you did it secretly. I will do this thing before all Israel before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin and you shall not die. Um, now, the prophet and the king had a relationship um, that was one of, it was beyond warm. It was, they depended and relied on one another. Uh, the king and the prophet were a, were a team. And that, that team was, uh, and the strength of that team and the unity of that team was about to be, was about to be tested. Because, um, Nathan, if he was going to be obedient to his calling, had to go and hold David accountable for his actions. And there were consequences for his actions. While God was merciful and it didn't impact David or his reign or his rule, it did impact his children. It impacted them uh, in a a very hurtful and harmful way. Uh, the judgment that was announced by the prophet did come to pass because uh, David's oldest son did have a relationship with one of David's concubines on top of the palace in the sun where the whole community could see that he was having a relationship with one of his father's wives or concubines. And so what the prophet said actually came to pass, which is the test of any true prophet or any true minister, but also there was this um, relationship that Nathan was willing to risk in, in order to be obedient to God. So when God talks to us through others, listen, listen. We don't pick the messenger. We don't pick the time or the season. But we do pick whether we receive that messenger and hear what God is saying to us. And this was a this is a very sobering portion of scripture because there are consequences for sin. And too many people in the body of Christ don't believe there's consequences for sin. They believe that there's no consequences for the way they live or the actions that they participate in. But there is. And we're called to remove sin from our life by the grace of God. We're not called to justify it or to make it sound as if it's acceptable because it's not. So I just want to finish 
this example in Scripture by saying that when God sends someone to say something hard to us, be careful you're not hard on that messenger. It's harder on them to say it, just as hard as it is for you to hear it. Just don't think about yourself. Consider how challenging, how hard, how painful it was for that person to have that conversation. And then think, really think about what they say before you pass judgment. David showed, once again, the heart of someone who really wanted to get out from underneath the burden of his sin. And he said, yes, I'm guilty. I think we can learn a lot from that. Uh, I wish I could say that throughout the years that people that the Lord has sent Shar and I to have displayed this same kind of spirit. But I would say that the spirit that Moses displayed and the spirit that David displayed is uncommon among the body of Christ today. There have been people that we have have begged and pleaded with to get their life in a better place. There's been people we've talked to about getting their house in order, getting their marriage in order, getting their money in order, getting their attitudes in order, you know, getting things. And they, unfortunately, too many, and I would say too many, have viewed us as an enemy and not as an ally. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had. And somewhere in the conversation, if someone wants me to stop talking, and it's, it's possible, some of you may wonder if that's possible, but it's possible. All they have to do is play the spiritual superior card, God said. And I'll be quiet. And I'll let time take care of itself to see whether God said or not. And I'll never go back and say, I told you so. But I'll just sort of let them deal with that one day before the Lord. I did my part. And you know, everyone wants to be celebrated. Everyone wants to be encouraged. Everyone wants to be, you know, uh, I guess, uh, left alone, maybe at times. But there's times that those things are not beneficial for us. It's, it's, it's wrong to flatter someone who's living in open sin. It, it, it's, it's wrong in every possible way. And this is not something that we revel in, that we have to go tell someone something or that God uses us to tell. It's the most challenging, hard, difficult aspect of every relationship is the accountability side. With, without exception, it is, it is, and anyone who enjoys it needs therapy and counsel and a lot of prayer. But you know, when it's all said and done, you just want people to be blessed. So when God talks to us through others, even when it's a hard thing to hear, we should thank God that he loves us enough to bring us back into the light. Okay. I'll give you uh, one other example. Can I give you one other? Is that is that fair? I know God has, has talked to me. Let me tell you a funny story. 
uh, it's funny to me because I, I know the, uh, the party that I'm talking about. So uh, there's a minister. Uh, he's from the South, and he, he doesn't believe he's prejudiced, but he is. And uh, I, I can smell it on him a mile away. He is, he is so prejudiced. He didn't think he was prejudiced. But one day he told on himself, and in telling on himself, he told on his own prejudice. So he told me a story one day uh, in confidence, and since I'm not using his name, it's still in confidence. And he said, you know, one of the most humbling things that ever happened to me in my life, Doug, and I said, go ahead. He said is, uh, you know, I'm really not a fan of uh, God using... Uh, uh, black people to talk to me and I said oh really as as if that was shocking to me it really was I was just plain dumb I was like oh 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 really he said and really it's even worse if it's a black woman I said oh well I would have never have guessed that wink wink right so I'm just plain stupid going along with it and I said so what was the most humbling thing that ever happened to you he said uh, he said I was in an elevator in Texas, I said, of course. And uh, he said, and it was just me and this uh, this larger-than-life black woman. I said, okay. And the elevator got stuck. <laughs> I said, oh. And I said, then what happened? He says, well, you know, I... Picked up the phone and tried to get some help, and the phone didn't work. I said, oh, that's interesting. And then what was humbling about that? He said, oh, I haven't got to the humbling part. The humbling part was the next thing is this woman looked at me and she said, somehow I think God put us together and not for me but for you. I said, oh. So she maybe was being used by the Lord to help you to identify something? He said, yes. And for the next five minutes, she just read his mail. He got off that elevator and said, the thing that I'm saying to you tonight, God, I didn't choose the messenger and I didn't choose the season or the time. But I received what you said, and I never smelt prejudice on him again. You know, you can smell sin as much as you can see it, because sin stinks. Attitudes stink. You ever been around someone, and it's just like you're putting off the wrong aroma? You know, one of the beautiful scriptures in uh, uh, portions of scripture in the Bible is that we should carry the fragrance of Jesus. I like that. There should be a freshness and, and a sweetness to us and to our spirit. And I think that's wonderful. All right, so I'll finish with Galatians chapter 2. I don't know if you need to be humble, uh, but I would encourage you to humble yourself before uh, God sets up this divine way in which he might want to talk to you through a vessel that you may not be willing to listen to. In Galatians chapter 2, it says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, he said, I withstood, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. 
For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And uh, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said uh, to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of a Gentile and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as the Jews? So here's this accountable conversation between, I mean, two heavyweights in the early church. Hypocrisy is something that God just really isn't attracted to. You know, just playing the part and just making yourself look better than what you are. And according to where you are, who you're with, that's how you behave. And, and that, that's not only exhausting, it's, it's, uh, it's such a bad representation of what Jesus has done in a person's life. But, but you know, Peter wasn't fully mature. And uh, so Paul came along and he said, you know, you're really causing a lot of problems with the way that you behave. And because you're not behaving as a believer, you're, you're treating people improperly and your hypocrisy has become contagious and it's jumped off on other people and it's caused their behavior to become bad. So when God talks to others, I want to finish by by sharing this. Uh, we don't get to choose who he's going to use. We don't get to pick the time or the season. We just get the opportunity to whether we hear and receive and, and adhere and welcome what they have to say. But I do want to finish by clarifying that God can use people that are over us. Jethro was over Moses. Before Moses, there was a Jethro because he married Jethro's daughter. You guys understand that. So, and Nathan and, and David and uh, were, were peers. Both of them had equal responsibility within the nation of Israel. David was to rule as the king and, and Nathan was to be uh, the king's, um, God's mouthpiece to the king. And so they, they both had equal participation. All right, with John, I mean with Peter and Paul, they were peers. And then I'm going to finish by telling you a story. But there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Naaman. And Naaman was a leper. And so he went to go see the prophet. And the prophet said, if you'll go and dip in the waters of Jordan, seven times you'll be clean. And he despised that counsel. But there was a servant girl in his house. And the servant girl said this to him. If the Lord, if the man of God would have asked you to do something difficult, would you have done it? So God can use people that are over us. God can use people that are with us. And God can use people that we're over to speak to us. Have your kids ever said things to you and you knew the Lord was speaking through your children? Childlike innocence and faith that sort of straightened your back. So I want to encourage us, be sensitive, use some discernment. If you're asking the Lord, Lord, speak to me. Yes, he's going to use this word, but he could use somebody else. And it's somebody else, right? That sometimes we have a hard time listening to, but it's the test that God wants us to pass. Be humble, be pliable, be open, right? Don't 
think that you've had success. Who are they to tell me anything? Don't look at a peer and say, hey, you've got no business getting in my business. And never say to someone that you're over, who are you to talk to me? All of those are improper ways and will short-circuit our ability to hear from God. Because God moves in marvelous ways. So let's just stay open to it. And I've told you the story before, but it's just worth reminding. Husband and wife got in a fight. I mean a knockdown drag out before he left for work. He got on the freeway, driving down the freeway like a crazy man because he's just so upset. And he passes this billboard and he passes it every single day on the bypass. And instead of reading Got Milk, which it was a milk, the billboard read what? Got Jesus. God used the billboard. So he pulled off the next exit, did a loop around, went by the billboard again, and the billboard didn't say Got Milk, said Got Jesus. He pulled over the next exit, called his wife, apologized for his improper and arrogant attitude, asked her to forgive him. She forgave, got back on the bypass, drove around, went by the billboard. It said, got milk. (laughs) One of my favorite pastors that Shar and I served with in Garden City for seven years was running from God. He was selling seed for Pioneer Seed. He was on uh, Highway 83, which goes from Mexico to Canada, in the Texas Panhandle in the middle of the night, and he turned on the radio, and a Hank Williams Jr. song came on, I Saw the Light. He turned the channel, Hank Williams Jr., I Saw the Light. Turned the channel to another frequency, Hank Williams Jr., I Saw the Light. He pulled over his vehicle, got out in the middle of... Canyon country in in Texas got on his knees and said, God, you win. And from there, he studied and got ready for the ministry. Someone's praying. When God is speaking to us through others, we're praying. Someone else is praying. Let's just listen and be thankful that God is speaking. Amen. It's for our good. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.